Underground Radio, bringing you all of the very best Pokemon news and views this side of Twist Mountain. I'm Teal. And I'm Sam. For today's broadcast, we'll be touching base on the latest Pokemon news, covering the dark and scary of ghost-type Pokemon and their Pokedex entries, and spotlighting a most magical, mischievous Pokemon. So sit back, relax, and give your Radio Rotome what it wants. Well, it has been another week since we recorded, and because of that, Sam and I must tell you, the listeners, what we've been up to this week as far as Pokemon is concerned. It's true. And I think that mostly it's been black and white too stuff. <laughs> oh, most definitely. I know I've gotten a bit further along in the story. I'm not going to dwell too much on like story specifics right now, but I did go through and beat... Um, is it... Is it Bright? No, God, what is the ground-type gym lead trainer's name? Clay. Clay. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, it's clever because clay comes from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so I I defeated clay, and I defeated clay because I got tired. <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm at a point right now where I just want to be done with the story. Like, I, I want, like, a nice smooth sailing throughout the story. So I pulled over a couple of my EV-trained Pokemon from Black and White 1. And so now I'm running around with my Bastion on. It took you that long to get your EV-trained Pokemon over there? I didn't want to do it. I wanted to just let him be and, like, you know, go through the story like a, a normal Pokemon trainer would and use... Pokemon that, you know, my new character was obtaining in-game and having an in-game team, and then I was like, ah, screw this, let's come, come, come over here, Locke, we're gonna, we're gonna destroy this gym. I totally used my Aerodactyl in Elisa's gym, and I murdered that person. It wasn't even cool. I just was just like, alright, all of the Stone Age and Earthquake, we got this going on here, <laughs> and... Clay, yeah, he wasn't much of a challenge either. I think I used Melodic in his gym, and it was just Scald spamming all the time. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The the Pokemon's front, yeah, it's been pretty much black and white too with me as well. Your sprite in my Join Avenue has been ridiculously popular with everybody. That's just because I'm awesome. You know, it is because you're awesome. <laughs> and you're also building up, like, 400, like, 
I don't know what they are, like, fav- like favorite points or whatever they want to call it in black and white, too. Every single time that I go to a joint avenue, I, they're just like, I would like to go to a store where I can, you know, meet a female clerk. And I'm just like, okay, Natil is my only female clerk. I'm sending you to her. And they're just like, oh, man, I love this place so much. You get, you know, 250 <laughs> points. And I'm just like, wow. So... Natil, why are you so popular and everybody else is all like, nope, don't like this place. I don't want to go out here. This isn't what I'm looking for. And I'm just like, ugh. So apparently <laughs> you just are like having a monopoly on the entire Joint Avenue. Congratulations. Happy birthday. <laughs> no, that's pretty awesome. I haven't messed with Joint Avenue enough yet, uh, but I'm, I'm going to be getting back on top of that. My my big thing this past week and will continue to be for the rest of this week is uh, breeding because, <laughs> hey, we have an Elite Four challenge <laughs> this week at Pokemon League. Indeed. And you are going to be running flying, right? That's the theory. Okay, because I just want to know for sure, because actually Devin has multiple teams ready right now, and one of them is an electric team. Oh, well, I guess so, I, have to, I have to do something that's not electric. Then. Well, either that, or you can just, you know, be like, hey, guess what, I'm, you know, this one of the senior most Elite Four members, I get to choose. I'm, I'm keeping electric this time. <laughs> the, the, the theory is that I'll be switching to flying, and that is basically based on whether or not this next week absolutely murders me between work and school, because uh, the the next three weeks at uh, my job, I work at, at a GameStop, include midnight releases for uh, Assassin's Creed 3, Halo 4, and Call of Duty Black Ops 2 right in a row. So I'll be working all of them. And as a result, I don't know how much time I'm going to have for breeding, but I really I really want to switch to flying. I've got a good flying team set up. And then just earlier tonight, you had to go and ruin my everything. Yes, I did. Sam and I were discussing earlier tonight. We, we, we talk Pokemon a lot. We sit on MSN almost constantly and talk about Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> and as a result, things like this are bound to come up. But it came up at a very inopportune time for me because I was already planning this flying team. And Sam and I started talking about Relicanth because I was finishing up my entry for the Pokedex project. And I was really excited about Relicanth again. And so I, I was deciding that I was going to breed like three more of these things because they can do so much. They are ridiculously awesome. And they get a special defense bonus in Sandstorms because they're a rock type. Right? And Sam was like, yeah, that's that's how that works. And I was like, that's ridiculously awesome. And then Sam was like, well, that's two rock types right there. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ah, crud, I'm going to build a rock type team, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah, you are. You're probably going to. I can't help it. I can't help it. Well, the nice thing about rock types, too, is that, you know, while they might not be, you know, hugely diverse i mean a lot of them are either rock and water or rock and bug you know they're they've still got enough of a diversity in and of themselves as a group that you could that you could theoretically do something with them as a monotype oh absolutely and uh what makes it more awesome is that i have one of my wild cards already bred up and ready to go which is to say uh reuniclus 
well, Rayuniclus is the obvious choice in a sandstorm situation, especially if you've got rock going on there, because then you can just be like all of the psychic power ever to destroy my fighting type opponents. And no sandstorm damage because magic guard. Indeed. So I already have a really beefy, awesome Rayuniclus, and therefore I don't need to breed up one of the uh, wild cards in that situation. So it's a possibility that I might not be doing flying right away, and I might instead be doing uh, some rock. (laughs) So, although speaking of breeding, you, you got to discuss some breeding things over at League this week while I was all at home with being the sick. Yes, and it was, well, Scott and I, too, we also talk a lot about breeding as well. I mean, when he and I were over at his place one night, what we did pretty much for like a straight hour and a half was just talk about what we would like to see with Pokemon and breeding things. And, you know, that sort of spawned the genesis of the outrage Tropius, which is still an amazing idea. And I'm sure Scott, I think he still has it written down, so he's going to do it at some point. (laughs) But what we were talking about was breeding some Unova starters, because Scott wanted to have one of them for for his playthrough. And I, he was going to go with the uh, Samurott, and we were discussing uh, what kind of builds the Samurott would do, and it was really unique to do because we didn't have Smoga on there, we didn't have you know anything except his link to uh, Bulbapedia, so we were kind of building this whole brand new Pokemon based on what its base stats were and what we could see of its move pool. And it was really interesting to do because I think we, I think he had settled on a mixed Samurott that was going to be running Aqua Jet, either Ice Beam or Blizzard, maybe, uh, maybe Superpower, I think. And I can't remember what the last move was. It might have been Surf or Scald, but... Or maybe it was, I, yeah, and it was just, it was a fantastic time. And, you know, it's one of those kind of things where you almost wish you would have more time in a league night so that you could just sit around with a bunch of other people and collaborate on new ideas for Pokemon. And, you know, to an extent, we sort of had that. Some of the other guys at league had walked up to me and asked me what I would do for a contrary shuckle. And Josh and I had had actually done that one night where we just uh, texted each other back and forth about what we would do about a contrary shuckle. And, you know, I gave them some of the ideas that I had, but I didn't give them the idea because I don't necessarily want the idea to be passed around quite yet. I want to see if I can make one for myself first. (laughs) But (sighs) I don't know. It's awesome to get that sort of powerful, creative, you know, thinking about brand new Pokemon builds going at League because it's such a it's such an amazing place to do it. You've got all those people there all collaborating on, you know, something they're passionate about and it's fun to do. Indeed. Well that that does sound really fun. Doing the starters is is difficult. It is and it probably always will be, but worth it in the long run. And I hope that this awesome Samurai works out well for Scotty. Indeed. Uh, I think that's it. 
I think that's it as well. I think that is all of the chatter we have. And so now we are going to move into our unfortunately very small news desk for this week. And welcome to the news desk. This week we only have really three big things to talk about, but this first one is quite possibly one of the most epic that I have personally seen come out of news in the last, you know, year that, yeah, it has been about a year that we've been running. And it's that there is a new limited edition Charizard 3DS XL being released in Japan. Yeah, not Pikachu, Charizard. Charizard, which is, you know, this, you know, oh man, this whole giant, like, huge, like, course correction for Nintendo, you know, going away from what there is basically their unofficial mascot. And the unique thing about this Charizard 3DS XL is that it will be in uh, Poke Centers all around Japan, but you can't just walk in and buy it. You enter into a lottery to be able to get this particular DS. And entries will have to be submitted between November 3rd and November 26th, and after that they'll draw names, and the very few lucky people, lucky, lucky, lucky people who will get this will be the proud owners of a black, you know, stylized on their Charizard shooting flames. And it's just a magnificent picture. If you haven't seen it yet, go to Cerebi.com and check it out. It is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Uh, the the important thing to note is that in this lottery, uh, the the people that are chosen from the lottery don't just get the 3DS XL. Those people then in turn have to purchase it. So you're you're entering this lottery for a chance to be able to purchase a Charizard. 3DS XL. Still, though. Still, though. I know. I know. I would I would murder someone for it. But, you know, I, I would just at this point settle for the Pikachu 3DS XL being ported over here to the States instead of just hanging out in Europe and Japan for the rest of eternity. I know. <laughs> That's my rage. Um, we mentioned last week that the first download for the Pokemon Pokemon World Tournament was going to be available, and so this week we're going to talk about it a little bit more. The 2012 Juniors Division Challenge download is available now so that you can get a hold of it and use it in your Pokemon World Tournament. To get a hold of this download, you just have to access the computer in the Pokemon World Tournament building in-game and download it over the Nintendo Wi-Fi connection. The next download will be the 2012 Seniors Division Challenge, and that one should be coming up, well, fairly quickly here. Fairly quickly, yeah. And, you know, it's I'm glad that I waited on this, because apparently when they were setting up the data for this download, they had put out a version that didn't accurately reflect what teams the... Uh, the participants had that were actually getting their Pokemon cloned into a video game. So what happened was the Nintendo company took down the download and then put up a new one. And you can download the new one for now, and it's and it is the accurate version, so you don't have to worry about that. But apparently for anybody who downloaded it before then, they've still got the 
I guess it's not necessarily bugged, but, you know, the inaccurate version, and there's no real way to change that at this time. Well, so, if you haven't gotten a hold of your uh, Junior's Division challenge yet, go ahead and get that done so that you can, you know, start enjoying the awesome teams of the people that placed in this year's Worlds Tournament. Indeed. And some of those some of those teams, man, they are they are dastardly. I looked over a few of them on the on Serbi.net and you know, these guys, they had some very unconventional teams. They are going to be fun to play. Yeah, I'm totally excited. The last bit of news that we actually have is I don't know, I guess it's it's sort of exciting. I'm not entirely sure what in what it entails yet, but the Pokemon TCG Shiny Collection has been announced in Japan. And apparently this collection will feature Pokemon like Pikachu, Piplup, and Meloetta, and more news will be announced later. Yeah, there I'm... really there really isn't a whole lot of anything known about this little set that's coming out, except that it's gonna be sort of a mini set like the Dragon's Vault is over here. Yep. And, you know, when they say shiny collection, you know, I'm, I would like to think that it's like shiny Pokemon, but you never know, that might not even be what it is, so. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll keep you guys updated as we learn more about this new set coming out in Japan. And with that, let's head over to this week's main topic. Halloween, we thought it would be a good idea to talk about some of the scariest Pokemon in the game. The ghost types, naturally. And despite these games being widely known as children's games, the Pokedex entries for these Pokemon can be quite frightening. So let's get in the spooky mood and take a peek at what our Pokedex tells us about some of the Pokemon who are bound to haunt our dreams at night. The first Pokemon that we found, and honestly this was one of the Pokemon that I thought of initially when we were first discussing this subject was Yamask. And Yamask has two Pokedex entries that are a little, you know, a little disturbing, actually. Uh, the first one of these is that these Pokemon arose from the spirits of people interred in graves in past ages, and each retains memories of its former life. And that's sort of leading up to the second one, which is that each of them carries a mask that used to be its face when it was human, and sometimes they look at it and cry. That's just so disturbingly sad. Yeah, it is. So I'm just, I don't know, when I first read that, when I was looking through the Pokedex for black and white, you know, a year and a half ago, I was kind of just like, well, this is a little disturbing. You know, this is, you know, but, you know, in keeping with the theme here, I mean, a lot of the ghost types, you know, Pokedex entries are very disturbing or very sad. Yeah, and that's going to happen a lot as we as we continue through this. Yamask is one of, honestly, one of the most disturbing Pokemon in the entire game, in my opinion. A lot of these ghost types are going to be really disturbing. 
Yeah. But Yamask is <clears throat> right up there at the top, rapidly followed by Kafagrigus. Yeah. Kafagrigus's uh, Pokedex entry states that grave robbers who mistake them for real coffins and get too close end up trapped inside their bodies. Okay. Just imagine for a moment that you have this Kafagrigus in. Uh, your party, and you have caught this Kafagrigus, there is a possibility that there is a grave robber trapped inside of that Kafagrigus that you are carrying around with you. That's messed up. Just a little bit. Wow, yeah. Yeah, these... I don't know if the Pokedex entries necessarily get worse as every generation comes (laughs) along, but that's... That's pretty bad. Well, we're going to head back now to a previous gen Pokemon, and I think the next one that we're going to talk about is perhaps the one that I am the most terrified of. That one is Shedinja. And Shedinja says that a discarded, it is that a discarded bug shell that came to life, and peering into the crack on its back is said to steal one's spirit. Okay, yeah, so, like, Maybe the reason that this freaks me out so badly right now is because I'm I'm in a a Harry Potter literature course in my in my college right now and we've been talking about the dementors and how the dementors kiss is a, a fate worse than death because it steals your soul and so we had this big conversation about that so there's this like weird idea of soul stealing in me right now and the fact that oh. if if you just happen to accidentally peer into the crack of on the back of your shedinja your soul is just poof well, <laughs> I, I don't even know how you can avoid that. It's not like it's not like you can just wear sunglasses or something like that and stop that from happening. Well, then. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I think one of my I think Mitch actually said it best in that, you know, there are a lot of Pokemon out there who are just incredibly dangerous. And these ghost <laughs> types are just really, really dangerous. He doesn't know how humans even manage to survive in a world full of Pokemon that can do stuff like that. Right? Okay, so then on top of that, like, speaking of dangerous Pokemon, let's talk about Drifloon. Oh, Drifloon. When, when you think of Drifloon, they're like these really adorable little, like, balloon Pokemon, and they're cute, and they're, they're, oh, how can Drifloon be dangerous? Drifloon are dangerous. Drifloon are very dangerous. Their Pokedex entry says that these Pokemon are called the signpost for wandering spirits, and that children holding them sometimes vanish. Vanish to where? Nobody knows. The the general idea is that, you know, children will hold on to the, the little strings on them as though they were balloons, and the Drifloon just lead them away. That's, yeah. <laughs> Creepy? I think yeah. so. Just a little. Uh. And, you know, it's ironic because the... You know, Drifloon's evolution, Driftbloom, doesn't even have anything close to that. I mean, the the worst that Driftbloom that Driftbloom does is if you happen to see them, they just tend to you know just fly around and you know vanish from the air. And it's like, well, <laughs> you're, you guys you're are kind of a creepy little blimp-like Pokemon. You make some strange noises. I guess that's legit. Yeah, but Drifloon, no, Drifloons are dangerous. I mean, the Drifloons totally legit, but the Drifloons, nope, they'll they'll take your children away. It's just like whoa. 
<laughs> Jellicent are also pretty dangerous. Yes. Jellicent have the Pokedex entry that states, The fate of the ships and crew that wander into Jellicent's habitat. All sunken, all lost, all vanished. So Jellicent are like the uh, Pokemon world equivalent of the Kraken. Only instead of being like giant large monsters, they're just tons of really creepy ghost-type Pokemon with mustaches. It's true. (laughs) And, you know, I think another one of the, you know, I took this one from the Black and White 2 uh, index for Pokedex entries. The uh, I think it's black and white one was that it will drag the sailors right off the ships and drag them down into the water where they'll get where they'll get eaten. I think, and it's like what? So uh, Jellicent are now the Kraken. Yep, yep. Je- Jellicent are Kraken Pokemon. Um, we you know we we talked about kids and how Drifloon are dangerous to kids. This next Pokemon also has an issue with children, although they're not necessarily dangerous, just kind of jerks about it. And that Pokemon is Duskull. Yeah, Duskull. <laughs> Duskull's Pokedex entry says that it loves the crying of children. It startles bad kids by passing through walls and making them cry. That is a jerk move. It's like it's like it gains sustenance on the cries of small children, and therefore to sustain itself, it routinely makes kids cry. <laughs> the tears of your scary... Or, God, I can't even speak today. <laughs> your frightened tears sustain me. Yes, that is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, it's, its evolutionary form is also pretty creepy, though. Yeah, Dusclops is... I don't know, it's weird with this particular evolutionary line because you know the first one you know the first evolution is just a jerk i mean you know startles bad kids and everything dusclops is genuinely dangerous because anyone who dares peer into its body to see its spectral ball of fire will have their spirit stolen away what is with pokemon and stealing spirits i don't know because now, wow. now, now, not only do we have to watch out for the cracks in Shedinja's bag, but we also got to watch out for the little f- ball of fire inside of a Dusclops, or, or our souls are going to be stolen again. It makes me wonder how... Poke- wow, you know, now this elevates, like, a whole new level of respect to Pokemon researchers. Because you got to imagine now that people like Professor Oak and Professor Juniper, they have an incredibly dangerous profession. <laughs> I mean... Oh, man, this, you know, Dusclops, anyone looking at its spectral ball of fire will have their spirit stolen away. Wow. Can you... There's got to be some way to pr- protect against that. There must be, like, special goggles. I There has to be something, because, you know... <laughs> the goggles, they do nothing. <laughs> and, then, and then your spirit is sucked away. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this... Yeah. Dusknor actually, the the final evolutionary form in this trio has a, has a really disturbing Pokedex entry as well. Its Pokedex entry states that the antenna on its head captures radio waves from the world of spirits that command it to take people there. And you know, Dusknor <laughs> actually, you know, he's he's a creepy Pokemon, and he looks like he'd be a very malevolent Pokemon, but. Some of his other entries that he's had over since 4th Gen have actually suggested that he's 
something along the lines of like a messenger. Yeah, he because he's the he's dead. yeah because like in in this century especially it's like you know he's not the one being malicious. He's just but at the same time he's creepy because he's being controlled by the malevolent wishes of other probably ghost type Pokemon. It's very true. And, you know, some of his other entries suggest that he guides lost souls over to the other side. And, you know, that's, you know, I can sort of agree. I'm, you know, I'm just like, well, you know, that's, you know, I guess that's, you know, that's nice. Yeah. And some, you know, some of his other entries, they're still a little creepy where they'll just be like, yeah, he, he catches spirits in his pliant body and you know, ushers them on to the other side, and it's just like, well, that's, you know... Not quite as nice as being led somewhere. Yeah, so it's like, well, yeah. You know, I... Speaking of all these ghost-type Pokémon, too, Fontina, the ghost-type trainer from Sinnoh, who is the gym leader, it makes me wonder what kind of profession she actually is in, like, how much danger she is in from training a bunch of ghost-type Pokemon in one place. Constantly. Oh my goodness. I know. So, the next one we had was a Haunter. And, you know, honestly, I didn't think much about Haunter. You know, there... I remember Haunter from, like, my old my old school TCG cards where he was just like, Oh, he can move in between walls. And it said they come from another dimension. And it's like, Oh, well, you know, he just looks creepy and he looks cool. You know, that's, you know, that's that the more recent Pokedex entries though, have been really intense. Like it's like this one where it says its tongue is made of gas. And if licked, its victims start shaking constantly until death eventually comes. Haunter's tongue is made of such a deadly, gaseous poison that just by licking its opponents, it it leaves them in a state where they cannot be helped. They will just shake until death comes to take them. Yeah. It's really disturbing. Yeah, I know. Just... Well, and and when it evolves, it doesn't get any less disturbing because then it becomes a Gengar. And let's let's think about this for a second because, as we know, the only way to obtain a Gengar is to trade a Haunter to someone else. So you've got this Haunter that's probably been, you know, waving its tongue at you when you're like, well, you're going to poison me. I'm going to trade you off to this guy. And when you finally do, it becomes a Gengar. And Gengar's Pokedex entry says... The leer that floats in darkness belongs to a Gengar, delighting in casting curses on people. You know, you gotta wonder how good of a friend your friend actually <laughs> is. If he's trading you a haunter, that will just become something that will just hang around and curse you all the time. Well, and not even that, but like the leer in the dark, the the leer that floats in darkness. Have you ever like been sitting around in in the dark and been like, oh, it kind of looks like a face over there? That's Gengar. He's that's watch- intense. He's watching you. <laughs> <sighs> Let's talk about Litwick. Now, Lit actually, Litwick, Lampent, and Chandelure—they're all. They're all very dangerous Pokemon, and I think we can actually kind of combine them together because they all kind of do the same thing. And, you know, Litwick, for 
right away, you know, Litwick is not nearly as intimidating as like Lampent or Chandelure are. Well, I mean, think about a little Litwick. They're they're tiny and actually pretty adorable. They're like these itty bitty little candles that are half melted and their flames are like ethereal. And it's like, oh, you're kind of cute. Yeah, but no, as it turns out, they're not. They are there to lead you astray off into the woods somewhere, and the light from their candle will absorb your life energy, which it will burn in its little flame there, and yeah, it just exists to get you lost. It's It reminds me of that one, uh, that one creature from Harry Potter that would lead the people astray into the woods, and then it would... Yeah, you would eventually get lost out there and it would, like, attack you or something. I can't remember what it is, though. Uh... It's been a long time since I've read book three. Because I think that's where it was from. But anyway. Ludwig. Yeah. Yeah, Deceptively dangerous. (laughs) Extremely deceptively dangerous. Now, the Lampants, on the other hand, those things actually look a little creepy and you're at least you at least have that mental preparedness to protect you against what they can do yeah except for the fact that you know just it's pokedex entry says that the spirits that absorb fuel its baleful fire but but the pokedex goes on further to let us know that it hangs around hospitals waiting for people to pass on that's kind of messed up <laughs> he's they're being opportunistic and creepy it makes me wonder if there have to be, like, professional Pokemon, like, I don't know, not necessarily exterminators, but Pokemon, uh, like, the people Ghostbusters? Catch- yes, Pokemon Ghostbusters. <laughs> they have to have, each hospital in the Pokemon world has to have Pokemon Ghostbusters on hand all over the place to protect from all of the lampets that are all over the hospitals. Maybe that's why hospitals and Pokemon centers have so many Chansey. Maybe. Because Chansey, oh, that's that's a Philosopher's musing. We're not going down that route right now. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so the final uh, Pokemon in this evolutionary trio is Chandelure. Yes, and Chandelure actually has two entries that are, you know, they're sort of the same, but at the same time, they're not. And yeah. The, the first one is, the spirits burned up in its ominous flame lose their way and wander this world forever. Which is terrifying. I mean, Chandelure. I, I don't even know how anything lives in Unova. And, you know, well, it's true. <laughs> I, I don't know how anything stays alive in this world. Well, consider this. Being consumed in Chandelure's flames burns up the spirit, leaving the body behind. See, now that's creepy, because, like, that means that Chandelure probably spend a lot of time, like, hanging out in, uh, I would assume, like, cemeteries, and just, like, going over dead bodies, and their flame is consuming up the spirit, but leaving these corpses behind. That's dark. Really dark. That's dark. Speaking of dark... Oh, gosh. Bennett. Uh, I think Bennett is actually based off of a Japanese, like, folklore thing that actually exists. And Bennett is this doll that becomes a Pokemon over its grudge of being thrown away. And it seeks the child who disowned it. So, like, 
the nets start off as as toys, and when they're thrown away, they apparently have the consciousness to hold a grudge. And they start holding this grudge, and then suddenly they're seeking out the children that threw them away. <laughs> oh, man. So creepy. I know, right? Oh my goodness, it's it's extra creepy. Lots of ghost-type Pokemon, as you can see, are super freaking creepy, despite the fact that these games are supposed to be for children. And you know, just to put, put kind of a lighter spin on this, because some of those were actually really, really dark, uh, there are a number of other ghost-type Pokemon out there that aren't necessarily as bad. I mean, there are Pokemon like Miss Magius, who is a Pokemon that supposedly, you know, cries out incantations that cause people harm, but every once in a while it can use incantations that cause people to feel happy and cheerful. Or, you know, you've got, like, Sableye that rummage around in caves digging up gems that it can eat, and the quality of the gems that it eats, like, increases the luminosity of its eyes. And you know those are those are okay. I can totally be okay with Pokemon like that. It's just that some of these entries, man, these are just dark for children's games. Oh yeah, you know, and like you said, not all of them are that bad. I mean, like you've got Frostlass, who is the the ice type uh, ghost Pokemon, and Frostlass's Pokedex entry is basically just about you know it how it how it goes about catching its prey, and it it freezes its prey by blowing super really cold. Breathwind, and that's that's not so bad. Um, and you know, Golurk isn't that scary either. <laughs> Golurk says it flies across the sky at mock speeds. And if you take off the seal on its chest, all of its energy goes all out of control. And you know, Golurk honestly doesn't sound like he's a ghost Pokemon. <laughs> honestly, he sounds he sounds like he's Voltron. Yeah, well, and he and his his white Pokedex entry actually says that. Uh, they were ordered to protect the people in Pokemon of the ancient people that made them. So it's not not all ghost Pokemon are that terrifying, but some of them are. Some of them are very terrifying. Oh, my goodness. So that pretty much wraps up our special Halloween discussion on ghost type Pokemon. And with that, we are actually going to head into our special uh, ghost type Pokemon Spotlight. What kind of Pokemon are you? How do you do the things you do? Share with me your secrets deep inside. What kind of Pokemon are you? Are you loyal through and through? And do you have a heart that's true? What kind of Pokemon are you? This week's Pokemon Spotlight covers number 429, Miss Magius. Miss Magius is a pure ghost-type Pokemon who evolves from Mischievous upon exposure to a Dusk Stone. Miss Magius is, pri- is a primarily violet-colored Pokemon with, long, with a long trailing body that appears like a cloak, a large tufted feature on its head resembling a witch's hat or a hood, a glowing red mouth in the shape of an elongated W, and three large oblong red gems around its neck. Miss Magius is a Pokemon that is considered very unlucky, as it hums incantations that cause headaches and hallucinations in humans and Pokemon alike. 
The incantations Miss Magius chants have the power to do harm and even change the environment, but on rare occasions have special healing properties. It is said that whenever one sees a violet flash, it is a Miss Magius putting an opponent to sleep they never realize they have entered. Knocking out or putting the Miss Magius to sleep will break the effect. Miss Magius is a particularly well-known favorite of gym leader Fontina of Sinnoh, it being the one Pokemon she has consistently used on each of her teams in every game she has been featured in, Driftblim coming in as a close second. Being a ghost-type Pokemon with the ability Levitate, Miss Magius has three different immunities to ground, normal, and fighting attacks. She is resistant to bug and poison attacks, and weak to ghost and dark attacks. Miss Magius's name is a combination of the words mischief and magus or magic. Miss Magius herself was designed with the themes of witches, magic, and hallucinations in mind. While in the anime, Miss Magius was capable of inflicting nightmares on her opponents, the only way for a Miss Magius to do the same in the video game today is to have a mischievous be tutored the move in Generation 3 and then migrate her to Generations 4 and 5, respectively. Miss Magius' base, base HP, attack, and defense are the same of that of Mischievous, but its base special attack, special defense, and speed are all much higher. Miss Magius is a force to be reckoned with in the video game, with a very respectable base special defense, special attack, and speed. Coupled with the moves Calm Mind or Nasty Plot, Miss Magius is capable of firing off a wide variety of attacks, including those such as Energy Ball, Shadow Ball, Thunderbolt, Psychic, Icy Wind, and Dark Pulse. She has an impressive amount of support moves in her arsenal as well, including Wonder Room, Heal Bell, Skill Swap, Spite, Trick, Substitute, and Trick Room. For a full look at video game strategy involving Miss Magius, check out Sam's post on the Pokedex Project at pokedexproject.wordpress.com. It's that time again. We are once again stopping down for Question of the Week. As always, we would like to start with a couple of responses from last week's Question of the Week, which was, which Unova starter did you choose in Black and White 2 and why? Josh writes, I went with Oshawott this go-around for a very sad reason. This playthrough was very different from any of my other playthroughs, as I brought in five fully EV'd and soft reset slash IV bred Pokémon. Needless to say, I didn't think that. Needless to say, I didn't need a sixth Pokemon to help me beat the game, so I chose the Pokemon that would help me the most when it came to HMs. This is why I chose Joshua. He was a slave and only a slave. Sorry, little guy. <laughs> we also had Freakazoid175 from the D20 Radio forums respond with, "I chose Tepeg in White too." I originally chose Snivy in white because his sprite appealed to me the most, but I ended up liking his look less and less as he evolved. I really dislike Oshawott's look, so he has always been out from the beginning, regardless of how cool Samurott looks. So Tepig was the obvious choice for me this go-around. Once again, thanks for those responses, guys, and we would like to now pose this week's question of the week. 
In honor of Halloween yet again, we are asking, who do you think is the spookiest, scariest Pokemon of all time? Sonatil is the <laughs> one that you're going to say, the one that I thought you were going to say from the very second I posed this question to you. And the one that everyone who has listened to any episode of this podcast should know already. The scariest Pokemon of all time is Mr. Mime. He's scary. Don't don't sit there and look at me like I'm being ridiculous. He is a terrifying Pokemon. He's creepy. His appearance is disturbing. He he he's always Mr. Mime, but he can be female. He's just he's so so creepy. I mean, like Mime Jr. starts out being so wonderfully, you know, adorable and cute, and, like, I can deal with, with Mime Jr., but Mr. Mime is scary. His sprite has too many fingers. You know, the only thing that would be scarier is a Mr. Mime in an evolved form. No, let's not talk about that. Let's not give the Pokemon company any ideas. Mr. Mime doesn't get an evolved form, and that's that's just the end of that. Mr. Mime is my scariest Pokemon, and I think he always will be. I don't think there will ever be another Pokemon that terrifies me on the same level as Mr. Mime. <laughs> so, Sam, who, who do you think is the scariest Pokemon ever? And, you know, I actually had a very hard time with this one, because usually I'm not too terrified by a lot of Pokemon. You know, there are some out there that are really creepy looking, like you've got Chandelure. He's, you know, pretty creepy looking. You've got Hydreigon out there, who is also extremely dangerous and, you know, looking. But, you know, the spookiest, scariest Pokemon I think that I've ever seen the Pokemon company come out with has got to be Cofagrigus. I can get behind that. Tell me why you think Cofagrigus is so scary. I think Cofagrigus is terrifying, not only because of its Pokedex entries, because I could see that happening. It's that what it looks like in the sprite in the game is it'll start out as this, you know, just gold coffin that's just sitting there, and all of a sudden the eyes will pop open from where the head should be, and these four shadowy arms will come out like they're trying to grab you and draw you in. And that is, to me, really, really terrifying. It's like the most dangerous Pokemon that has ever been. Especially to archaeologists. I know, right? <laughs> God, my friend Ashley would be wandering around in some ancient, you know, Egyptian ruin and just be like, oh, there's a, you know, there's a, a sarcophagus <laughs> over there. Let's check that out. And oh, dear. And yeah, no, no, it's a no. <laughs> Turns out Cofagrigus. <sighs> I, I can get behind that. Cofagrigus is pretty terrifying. He is a pretty scary Pokemon. But oh, yeah. Sam and I want to know which Pokemon haunts your Pokemon-related nightmares. So you can respond to this Halloween-themed question by sending an email to the underground mailbag at gmail.com, sending it to me in a tweet at Hot Pink Joystick, or to Sam at Alexiel Solarin. Or you can respond to this episode's topic on the D20 Radio Network forums at d20radio.com backslash forums.
If you enjoyed today's broadcast, you can find back episodes of The Underground on iTunes or at our website, theundergroundpodcast.wordpress.com. Please subscribe to the show via the iTunes store or directly through the RSS feed on our website. If you like what you hear, leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send them with the nearest deli bird to our mailbag. Or you can just email us at theundergroundmailbag at gmail.com. We'd also love to hear your bumpers. Just record an MP3 of yourself telling us that you dig the underground and send it in. We'll play it at the top of the next episode. Also, feel free to join our discussions over on the D20 Radio Network forums at d20radio.com backslash forums. Please join us again next week when we'll be having a jaunt down Join Avenue. So until next time, Poké fans, remember that our secret base is always open to you if you can find it. podcast is protected under a creative commons non-commercial no derivatives 3.0 unported license and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only pokemon is a registered trademark of nintendo game freak for kids entertainment and wizards of the coast music used in the show comes courtesy of the oc remix album the missing note tracks these songs and thousands more can be found at www.ocremix.org all original audio, textual, graphical, and video content associated with the Underground Podcast are the sole copyright intellectual property of Nathiel Erickson and Samuel Ranke in affiliation with the D20 Radio Network. Welcome to the Underground After Dark. In this new segment, we're getting a bit more mature, so this part of the show is definitely not for our younger listening audience. Tonight, we will be talking about some of the freakiest Pokemon stories we could dig up in honor of Halloween. So grab a nightlight, Pokefans, because it's about to get scary. The first one that we have in terms of Pokemon stories is... The story of Pokemon Black version. Now, not the Black version that we've been introduced to over the last two years with Black and Black and White 2. It's the Pokemon Black version that had a sort of this weird urban legend pop up about it during the time, roughly, of Red, Golden, or Red, Blue, and Yellow. And... For this one, we actually found the story of it on unrealitymag.com, and it was about this one person who managed to go into this pawn shop and was looking around for, you know, highly modded Pokemon games that found themselves into flea markets, etc., etc., 
and he found one that was just this jet black cartridge with the word Pokemon on it and then no other nothing else on there and he thought well of course this is just a bootleg copy you know I'll be able to play this you know a lot of these games have glitches in them that are humorous I'll get a kick out of this well when you go into the game he found out that you could choose one of the normal three starters it opened up like a typical red or blue version and you could choose one of the three starters or you could choose a fourth starter which was called ghost and this ghost had the same sprite as the ghost type pokemon that you encounter at the very top of the uh lavender town uh little like graveyard skyscraper that they have and when you use this pokemon you would you would use the move curse it was the only move that it would ever learn and when you use curse against an opposing pokemon this pokemon would instantly faint and there was this weird distorted much lower pitch than normal cry that this pokemon would give out when it got hit by curse and when that happened it would you know it would continue to go through the same process as you know a regular trainer battle would except the opposing trainer npc would have one less pokeball in his party implying that you had actually killed that pokemon and when you got finished battling the trainer their sprite would disappear from the overworld and then when you would come back there would just be a tombstone where that particular trainer was and you know you would keep going through the game and you would keep destroying these trainers and it got really creepy for him but when you finally got to the very end and you managed to go through the hall of fame defeat everybody you would get to the end of the game the screen would go black and it would say many years later and it would cut to lavender town where an old man will be standing there looking at tombstones and then you realize that it's your character and the man only moved at about half of your normal walking speed and you no longer had any pokemon with you not even the ghost pokemon that you used to just destroy the game and all of a sudden you walk around and you find that the ghost is there and you know all of a sudden this ghost pokemon will start to attack you and of course you don't have any pokemon on you so you obviously try to attack you do struggle it does nothing and then the ghost pokemon uses curse on you and that was a creepy story i mean really really bad and you know that one's that one's creepy in its in its plausibility because the idea that someone had you know hacked this game to make it do that is is creepy it's it's a great way for us to start this discussion because it's it's not like so otherworldly that we have sort of like issues with you know the the game crossing over into the realm of reality it was it was just a, a creepy hack game yes and uh, that that one that one is really creepy. <laughs> I know, right? 
someone actually did a YouTube video of something similar to this where, like you said, it actually crossed into reality. And Ah. that was a terrifying video to watch because the guy couldn't turn off his DS. You know, the DS would just start turning on by itself in the middle of the night, playing at all at playing at maximum volume. And he would be trying to type up the story and submit it to the internet really quickly so that people would know about it. And then at the very end of the video, it was implied that the ghost got him. And yeah, it was, it wasn't cool. Speaking of something else that, that's kind of creepy, uh, this the the next art the the next things that Sam and I are going to talk about we I we found all on a website known as Creepypasta, and it's it's a it's a wiki site that is basically just full of really creepy internet stories. It's it's sort of like how in the modern age horror stories are spreading instead of around campfires at camps. We now have Creepypasta, and. Uh, we're we're going to talk about a a fairly common and well-known theory in the Pokemon world called Ash's coma. And oh. it's it's basically it's it's about the anime and why the anime is the way it is. We've known for a long time that throughout the anime Ash has never aged. His Pokemon don't get, you know, most of his Pokemon don't get that much stronger. He always has to reset and start all over. And Pikachu is apparently infallible. And there's a theory on why that happens. Very early on in the Pokemon anime, uh, Ash is in a very probably a horrendous accident. Uh, he's riding his bike and he is struck by lightning. Oh. And uh, it it's it's storming really hard and uh after after they're struck by lightning um ash ash takes pikachu to a pokemon center and that's like when pikachu finally decides that ash is going to be his friend and the anime goes on and it's it's lovely um this theory says that the accident was actually a lot more serious than that and that accident put him into a coma and he's he's being medicated heavily um and you know the medication has stabilized him in a in a way that has allowed him to dream and the anime is essentially him living out his pokemon master fantasies in dream form uh the the beginning episodes are a series of ash's subconscious mind fulfilling his desires as well as attempting to escape reality because if he were to realize that he were in a coma, he would wake up and suffer brain damage. So he's taking down these mental barriers one by one. And if he can do that, he can come to grips with who he is and escape the coma. So as the series has progressed and Ash has progressed as a character and the other characters have progressed around him and Team Rocket has started to become more menacing and things like that, there's... You know, it, it's evidence of him sort of breaking down these mental barriers. So it it explains, this theory attempts to explain a lot of the things that we recognize as being weird parts of the anime. For instance, how there's a Joy and a Jenny in every single town. And how a Pikachu can take down a Rhyhorn with Thundershock. 
And it's like, what? Exactly. Uh, the, the Joy and Jenny thing, this theory explains as being two people that he knew from his hometown. And so they act as his safety net or, or his anchor. They uh, let him feel safe no matter where he goes. They represent stability. The uh, professors represent Ash's ideals. And that's why Gary, who is sort of like the bizarro form of Ash in his mental coma, eventually becomes a Pokemon professor. Uh, there's there's a lot of really really crazy things about this whole theory, and it it goes on and on and on. I'll I'll probably include a link to this one because they've they've got like explanations for everything from Misty to May to Butterfree to all sorts of stuff. They did their research on this one. Yeah, it's it's a very well thought out theory, and I'm I'm not entirely sure that I agree with it, but it's there, and it's pretty disturbing. I mean, the you know the idea that this kids anime is all the horrible coma dreams of a small boy who was struck by lightning is yeah, it's, it's terrifying. It's depressing, is what it is. It oh really, man, it really is. Oh my gosh. Speaking of kind of depressing, but at the same time, really dark, the there is a f- idea floating out there, too, about Gengar and Clefable. Oh, this one is so sad. And we actually talked about putting this one up as, I think it was a Philosopher's a long time ago, but you said, no, we're going to save this one for the Halloween episode. And so here it is. And this theory goes that Gengar and Clefable have, you know, they've been proven to have been some of the earliest Pokemon that have been ever made. And, you know, there was this idea that Clefairy was going to be the mascot of Pokemon instead of Pikachu. So it was going to be a pretty important Pokemon. Then, you know, you've got Gengar, who's known as the Shadow Pokemon, and a lot, it led a lot of people to question, well, what is it a shadow of? And then they put it side by side to a picture of Cliff Fable. And they looked at it for a second, and they noticed similarities that Gengar had to Cliff Fable, like pointed ears, the hands, the spikes on its back. And, you know, they came up to the conclusion that Gengars were the spirits of dead Cliff Fable. It's it's weird, like because when you when you look at their typings, Clefable's a normal type, Gengar is a ghost type. Due to their immunities, neither one of them can ever hit each other with stab attacks, since they just be immune to one another. So then the question is, have you ever tried to hit your shadow? It's true, <laughs> it's, and it's it's creepy because when you when you stick them side by side like that, they they look disturbingly similar to one another. Yes, they do. Oh, so they're, uh, it's a it's a really creepy, creepy thing. And, you know, especially since we've been talking about how creepy ghost Pokemon are in general. Yeah. Uh. This next one was one that really you and I had a little bit of trouble coming to terms with, because we thought that maybe it was a little too dark even for 
Oh, even for the, our after dark discussion. Yeah, and I actually had to do a little bit of research into this just to make sure that I could set all of my own hang-ups about this one aside. Yeah, and, and what we're what we're talking about is a story called Lavender Town Syndrome. And basically there the the story goes, the urban legend goes that there was a peak in uh, youth suicides and illnesses bet- of children between the ages of 7 and 12 shortly after the release of the original Pokemon Red and Green in Japan in February of 1996. And the rumors were that these deaths and illnesses occurred after children playing the game reached Lavender Town, whose theme had this music that in one section hit an extremely high frequency that studies showed that only young teens can hear since their ears are not yet fully developed. And that somehow that tone was causing some sort of subconscious reaction in these children that was making them physically ill or even uh, suicidal. Yeah. And, you know, I looked into this myself just so that I could try and put the record straight on it a little, because a lot of people actually took this and thought about it like it actually happened. And, you know, I can honestly say right now, nothing is indicating that that's the case. There, All of the stories that I've heard about it where people insist that it was real, nobody has any citations about this supposed spike in suicides among children which leads me to believe that it probably didn't happen. And there was a small edit to the sound for Lavender Town, but unlike what a lot of people say, which is that they changed it early on, and it was changed for the rest of them, it was only for this beta version that it was, you know, that this tone supposedly existed. That's not the case. They actually didn't change the sound of Lavender Town until after the North American release. And what it happened was the sound for Lavender Town was just an octave too high from what they, from what the game programmers had made. And what it did was this tone when listened through headphones would cause children to feel the effects of this sound and it would cause them to have blurred vision or headaches or, you know, they would feel a little nauseous about it. And that's the extent of it. It's, it is substantially less harmful than the episode of the anime in which Porygon caused, caused many, many seizures. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's pretty much what it boils down to. I mean, there have been there are a lot of technologies out there that people have been developing to try and deter, like, crime from younger teens using sound waves that only they will hear. And that's exactly what this is. It was just too high-pitched a noise for any adults to hear. But for younger children, they could feel this noise, and it would cause them to get, you know, f- you know fairly ill from hearing it, from hearing this tone. And that's about all that happened from it. And You know, they showed, I listened to the actual beta version of it, and, you know, I looked at all the data for it, and it said, you know, honestly, there is nothing here that would suggest that there was any, like, super, like, subliminal messaging or any creepy, like, you know, will cause you to do yourself serious harm. It was just that there was this small spike in the uh, 
in some of the tones in the game, and that was about it. True story. <laughs> but it's still something that, you know, causes some people to have a little bit of hysteria about. Yeah, I was I was a little nervous when we were when I found that particular uh that particular story. And so I'm glad that, you know, we can include it in this discussion because this is a discussion about the creepiest and most disturbing Pokemon stories we could find. And that one is right up there, but it is just an, an urban legend. Just an urban legend. Speaking of really creepy Pokemon stories, though. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about Glitchlet. <sighs> Glitchlet, yes. Glitchlet is this story about a a glitched Diglet. Uh, it it centers around a guy who uh, had been playing Pokemon way back in the days of Pokemon Red and Blue. Um, it, he, this is a story from a UK player, and he is talking about a time when he and his friends had reached a point where, you know, Pokemon was becoming boring. They'd caught all the Pokemon they could. They'd fought all the fights they thought they could have. And it was starting to lose its shine. And then they discovered uh, glitched Pokemon. So they started chasing down all of the glitches that they could in these games. Because as we as older Pokemon fans know, there were a lot of glitches in those old games. And it wasn't necessarily cheating to exploit them. It was, you know, just forcing the game to do things the game programmers didn't intend to do. And this guy found a glitch that he's never been able to find a record of since. Uh, it it resulted in a Pokemon that he called Glitchlet. It was a glitch diglet, and it was one of those things where, you know, you, you had to do all sorts of crazy, stupid little steps, you know, talk to a guy, fly to this place, uh do specific things in a very specific order with the appropriate steps. And this glitchlet was a diglet's, a diglet sprite, but its face was distorted like missing. No, there were like a few distorted lines that went through it kind of like scan lines. And the, the cry was a little bit off as well. Its level was never visible. But he and his friends guessed that it had to have been over 100 because they could hardly put a mark on him when they tried to catch him, catch him. So most of the guys in this little guy in this person's group just ended up using a cloned master ball to get him. Um, And so. They, you know, they started messing with this glitchlet and one of the guys said that it messed up his game so badly that he couldn't play anymore. So. They, they were a little bit worried about using it, and Diglett's only move in this game was, was Dig. And every time that they used this move, they would get the message, Diglett was hurt. And it would make some sort of strange cry as it went through the, the self-damaging recoil. So it, it, was, it was weird for them. And on top of that, Dig was so powerful that it only took one of these to hit one hit KO like any Pokemon they ever came across. And so as they were going through, as he started going through, he started leveling up other Pokemon to go uh, beat down the Elite Four again. He was level grinding to 100. And he was leveling up all these Pokemon absolutely beautifully because he was, you know, utilizing his Glitchlet to destroy all of his foes and pass the XP. EXP onto other Pokemon, and he wasn't paying attention 
to the recoil damage and his glitchlet fainted. But instead of fainting, the health bar sort of like doubled back a little bit and emptied several additional times while the glitchlet continued to repeat its fainting cry. And then he got the message, Diglett was killed. Do you want to use the next Pokemon? So, you know, he said no. And as he was going through, it, it, it gets weirder and weirder and weirder from there. He eventually ends up in some sort of, uh, weird weird bugged version of Diglett's cave because once you're in the overworld he could still use dig and while he's down in this cave a Doug trio appears and he like suddenly his his glitchlet doesn't have any moves and there's two words that appear where his attacks should have been and it says no hope and then uh the he his Pokemon passes out again. He didn't black out at that point or warp back to a Pokemon Center. The game just continued, and then the Dugtrio reappeared, and it's more horrible and more disfigured, and then his Game Boy died. And uh, it's it's <laughs> it's a it's a creepy story. Jeez. <laughs> Anytime that games tell me that Pokemon die, I get a little bit freaked out yeah yeah and I, I don't know like being transported to some sort of weird diglet cave and facing down a glitched dug trio it's it's just it's really weird and like the in the story he talks about how when they go down there he realizes why his diglet was getting hurt every time he was using dig and it was because every time he used dig whatever was hurting him was under the ground all the time, always there, always hurting the diglet. And that just makes me go, Oh, that's really sad. I know. Like every time you were using that move, you were forcing your diglet to face something that was hurting it. And it's just like, Oh, (laughs) well then I know. This is kind of depressing. We were we were researching these in the dark, and that was not cool. <laughs> yeah. It gets worse as we move into these next three. This one, next one here, is Pokemon Lost Silver. I don't like this one. And, you know, it's this story of this college student who was playing this copy of, I think it was... Uh, gold and silver, right? Yep, he had he had found a uh, a copy of silver in a pawn shop, I believe. Yes, and as he's going through here, he was, you know, he had his Pokemon. He was moving around and he was doing all of his stuff, and you know, all of a sudden he was, you know playing through, press starting A, you know, and he started up his game, and it was like the cart was bugged or something. So he turned it off and on. Same thing. uh, Tried, you know, doing all the buttons. And then eventually the logo for Game Freak vanished, and a black screen occurred for about five seconds, and then suddenly, rather going to the usual menu screen, he was already in a game in a previous save file. And 
when he checked to see what the trainer's information was, it was just an ellipse, three dots. And, you know, it's just like, well, you know, that's cool, I guess. And he checked his profile, and apparently the guy had 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 logged in well over a thousand hours, with the cutoff time obviously being the 999, 90, the 999.59 on it, with all 16 badges, 9,999 Poke Dollars, and all 251 Pokemon in the Pokedex. And so he was just like, okay, that's awesome, I guess. And he checked out the game to see what kind of team the guy had. But to his surprise, he had five unknowns and a sixth Pokemon called Hurry. And when he checked out this sixth Pokemon, it turned out to be a Cyndaquil. And the Cyndaquil was normal, you know, you know, just this average Pokemon, but it was only level five with one HP left and only two attacks called Leer and Flash. And as this guy was, you know, checking out his team and he was running around Bellsprout Tower, he noticed that there were no NPCs around. And he also noticed that the pillar in the middle didn't move at all, as if it was just leaning on its side. There was no music, there was no exit or ladder, and after running around for a few minutes, he couldn't find the way out. And this wasn't what he was thinking, and he tried checking the items bag for an escape rope, but there were no items in his bag. It was completely empty, and there weren't any wild Pokemon either. And finally, after he managed to find a ladder, which turned out to be the pillar... And after he climbed it, the screen turned black, and the music finally started playing. And he had a sudden chill, because he recognized that the melody was the tune to when you find the unknown in the elf ruins. And when he realized that, he realized he wasn't looking at a loading transition, but he was in a dark room that would need Flash. And when he used Flash... The room became, you know, bright, and he instantly regretted it, because the room was a chilling blood red with a linear gray path leading south, and the ladder up and down wasn't there anymore. And he had no choice but to keep heading on, but, you know, every 20 steps that he made, the screen kept getting darker, until he finally reached the end, which had a sign that said, Turn Back Now and you were asked to say yes or no, but there was, well, you had to answer yes or no, but there was no question. He chose yes, and he kept going, but he was in another dark room, and he used Flash again, and then suddenly the Pokemon Hurry, his Cyndaquil, fainted. And when he reached to, when he <clears throat> checked out his team again, suddenly... All of the Pokemon were placed with level 10 unknown, but they spelled out the word he died. And this this story, man, this story. Yeah, I mean, and it, it just, it, it keeps getting worse because after that, he like starts spinning, spiraling downwards as though he were sinking. And 
the the longer that he keeps doing this, he ends up like his his sprite starts to get all messed up. There's like it looks like the the some of the pixels underneath his eyes have turned into like bloody tears and one of the sprites eventually his sprite eventually like loses one of its arms and he ends up in this uh fight between a Pikachu and a Celebi and the Celebi keeps using Parish Song and Pikachu apparently has, you know, no ability to do anything and then Pikachu dies and Celebi dies. And then in the overworld, then those unknown shift again and then spell out no more. And it just, oh, it gets, it gets so much more. It it just gets creepier and creepier and creepier. And every time something else happens, the unknown seem to go up in level like five or ten as they spell something else out. And when he finally gets to the end, the unknown just spell out, I'm dead. There's actually some YouTube videos. Uh, someone had actually gone through and made a complete working fan game of Lost Silver. And it's available to be played if you were to so choose. <laughs> I can honestly say that I have no desire whatsoever to check that one out. It's this story that started to make me feel like uh, Unknown might be the creepiest Pokemon of all time. <laughs> yeah. Spelling out their little death wishes on the creepypasta page that this is on there's like a bunch of fan art for this thing and it's so creepy Ugh. they're all so creepy there's like celebi being all creepy and cyndaquil being all horrifying and yep <sighs> yeah oh Abandoned Mew is a really terrible one as well. Yes. <laughs> and this is a lot more recent. Like, a lot of these stories are about, you know, back in the days with, like, Red and Blue and Gold and Silver when those games were really easily hacked. This one is about uh, Heart Gold Soul Silver. Yes. And it takes the... And what it does is it takes place in the... Right about the time of the Mew event that everybody should know about. And, you know, he put the Mew into the Pokewalker and would run around and he would do things like Night Sky's Edge and he would, you know, was just so happy when the Mew was his and, you know, as it... It sounds so familiar. It's, I, it does. I stuck my Mew in my Pokewalker and ran around with Mew for ages because it was so cool to be walking around with Mew on my hip. Exactly. But, you know, then at the same time, that's where the happiness starts to wear off. Because then as it turned out, you know this guy would have this Mew running around with him and he took it out of the Pokewalker and I think he put an Arceus in the Pokewalker. Yeah, because his, his brother had given him his Pokewalker and uh, it, it still had his brother's Arceus in it. It's true. And, of course, you know, he thought that Arceus and Mew playing together and most powerful Pokemon in existence, adorable, right? It's so cute! Well, 
then the muse starts, you know, popping out, you know, certain items, you know, a rare bone, a rare skull, you know, things like that, the rare spine. And, you know, this guy was starting to get legitimately creeped out for good reason. And then when he was, you know, absentmindedly clicking the buttons, he watched one of the messages on the Pokewalker. And, you know, normally see you, you see things like, you know, Mew went for a walk or Mew is playing a game. But the message that came up now said, Arceus is nothing. Mew will prove it. And on the screen of his brother's Pokewalker, there there was no, you know, there there was just a jumble of bones, and spilling out from them, no longer contained, were shapes that, you know, the guy's eye skipped over, and, you know, he'd never seen so much detail in a Pokemon sprite before, and then. Mew brought him a rare hide, and it was white. (laughs) And, you know, he tried to return the Arceus to the copy of Soul Silver he had, but the game said that the Pokewalker was empty, and that there was nothing there. Arceus was, in fact, nothing. And when the guy tried to return return Mew to his game, something he hadn't done for weeks, maybe months, you know, it said, Mew won't go back to the PC box. Mew doesn't want to be forgotten again. Mew wants to stay with you. Mew is the strongest. Mew wants to show the world. Mew will keep bringing you gifts. Mew will make you a master. Will you help Mew? And there was a yes or no option. The guy didn't choose either, because he immediately threw the Pokewalker into the trash, shut off his game, and threw it in the deepest depths of his drawers that he could, and stopped playing the game for the longest time. That's that's the creepiest story I think we have, and I don't like it, Sam. I don't like it either. <laughs> it's It's so creepy! And the, you know, it actually reminds me of the, uh, the Bennett Pokedex entry that we had because the guy says that he hopes that the Pokewalker was just destroyed because, you know, the Mew out there it must have hated Arceus who took its place as the first Pokemon that the guy liked, and now the Mew hate must hate him too. <laughs> so it's, would it's, it ever come back it's not fair because Mew is my favorite Pokemon of all time and it is supposed to just be adorable and now it's freaky yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I don't like it indeed Oh, well, I'm sure there are plenty of other creepy Pokemon stories that we have left out of our discussion, and, you know, perhaps for good reason. Uh, the Creepypasta site has, like, some 300 creepy Pokemon stories, and we were not about to sift through all of them and discuss them, partly for our own sanity's sake. Some of those Pokemon stories, man, they are twisted. If we happen to have missed your favorite, or if you have, you know, a personal spooky Pokemon story that you'd like to share with us, you can certainly do that. <laughs> you should send them in an email to the underground mailbag at gmail.com. 
And we are very happy that you stuck with us through this extremely unusual <laughs> segment. And hopefully we'll see you again next week if the Gengar don't eat us. <laughs>